Hey everybody, it is Friday, March 22nd, 2019, and you are listening to the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Eiselake, and I'm here to talk to you about car news, car culture, and car whatever. On today's episode, we've got a little more news than usual, um, with some interesting rumors, announcements, comments, and other things coming out today from a few different sources. So first up, uh, some practical news that we can use. General Motors announced that they are investing uh, a lot of cash into a an existing production plant here in Michigan to build an unannounced uh, electric vehicle. Uh, so we'll talk a bit about what that is, what it could be. Um, I'm pretty curious to know what this is actually going to turn out to be. Uh, Ford also announced uh, a pretty big investment here in Michigan. Not a lot of details on that, but we'll touch on that as well. The other big May not necessarily big, but at least interesting rumor that was talked about, uh, at least in the French press today, or yesterday maybe. Uh, it uh, sounds like Peugeot has some pretty keen interest on a uh, another car company uh, for a potential merger in the not-too-distant future. Uh, so we'll also kind of talk about what that may or may not mean, because that does address some problems that I've had with this other company for quite some time. In the car culture segment, I wanted to talk about the coupe, in air quotes, uh, versions of SUVs, what they are, why they're being done, uh, and who's doing a brand new one. Uh, There are a ton of these things floating around now, and it seems like everybody's jumping into this new hot segment. And then last up, a car that's on my mind. Uh, It's the current uh, Nissan Sentra. Uh, It's been around for a while. And it has never really been a good car. And it's a car that I don't know who buys them, and yet they still exist. So we'll kind of talk about the Nissan Sentra for a little bit, uh, because woo, it is, it is a motor vehicle, to say the least. So guys, with all that in mind, this is the part of the show where I, where I let you know uh, that we do this show twice a week on uh, usually Tuesdays, and then we do it here on Friday for the main show. Uh, we do this for free. We make it available on a wide variety of podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Tunes, or Apple Tunes, <laughs> Apple iTunes, Google Play Podcast, and so much more. Uh, if you're not subscribed, if you could take a moment to just hit that button, I'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, if you like what you hear, Make sure you give us a rating if you're on a platform that asks for things like that. Uh, and then if you uh, think somebody else might be interested in what I have to say or you maybe like something I talked about, make sure you share it with a friend or somebody else uh, to hopefully help grow the show. Anyway, guys, after a short little bump, we'll talk about some car news. Well, and to kick things off with the news, we'll talk a bit about some local, relatively speaking, news. Uh, Here in Michigan, we've had some interesting announcements come out of Ford and GM over the past few days. Uh, Ford announced that they're going to be investing a couple hundred million dollars in developing uh, autonomous vehicle and uh, electric vehicle technology in this state. Uh, They didn't get very specific about where that money is going to be spent. Uh, But nevertheless, you know, investing it here in Michigan is always a great thing. This, of course, kind of ties into the fact that Ford is redeveloping the old Michigan Central Station uh, just outside of downtown Detroit. This beautiful old train station really got dilapidated 
Uh, if you've seen uh, Batman vs. Superman, uh, that's the building in which he screams Martha many times as where they shot that. Uh, it's an incredible building, and it definitely uh, is deserving of a retouch by some company. Uh, but whether or not that's going to be the place in which Ford's going to be using this money to develop these things, I don't 100% know. But if I was a betting man, I would be guessing that Ford's getting ready to reinvest this money in one of their Michigan construction plants. I would probably make a bet and say Flat Rock Assembly uh, to potentially be building the Volkswagen MEB platform cars. Uh, Volkswagen has been shopping the MEB platform around to many automakers all over the world uh, to help share the cost and development of this platform, of this battery technology, these electric motors, and so on. Uh, Ford is... Of course, jumping in with Volkswagen on some new product development, specifically with uh, trucks and vans and things like that. Uh, a lot of people think that was a gateway for Ford then to be able to acquire the MEB platform from Volkswagen to use on some of their new electric cars. Yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of taking a leap here and just going, yeah, this is probably what it's going to be. Um, but Ford tight-lipped for the moment on what exactly everything's going to do. So we'll just have to kind of wait and see. General Motors, on the other hand, had a pretty big announcement today saying that they are investing $400 million and uh, adding a couple hundred jobs to the Lake Orion assembly plant in Lake Orion, Michigan. Uh, it's just outside of uh, Auburn Hills, uh, just south of Detroit. Um, this area is a pretty nice area, and they've been building some pretty nice small cars there, namely the new Chevrolet Bolt uh, EV hatchback type thing. Uh, that EV hatchback has been relatively popular here in the U.S. Uh, Tesla definitely stole the show with the Model 3 uh, over 2018, but, you know, previous to that, the Bolt had been doing pretty okay, if maybe overshadowed a bit by the Volt uh, plug-in hybrid car. Uh, the Bolt, you know, is a great thing. A lot of good reviews on it. The electric powertrains are really well reviewed on these things. The electric batteries are supposed to be really good on these things. Uh, but Mari Barra said today in this announcement that uh, the Lake Orion plant will be building a new electric vehicle on that platform. And it will be wearing a Chevy badge. And it will be out on the roads by 2021. What exactly that means, uh, we don't really... We don't really know, I guess is the good thing to say. Um, if I'm a betting man, it's probably just going to be the Chevrolet Bolt platform with a little more of a higher riding suspension, with a little bit more of an SUV-style body, uh, just kind of slotting into that growing EV crossover uh, market. You know, you look at the Model Y, you look at the Audi Q4 e-tron, you look at the potential Q1 e-tron. Um, there's so many uh, EVs kind of adopting this tall hatchback uh, body style that it just seems... Fairly obvious to me at this point that that's what Chevrolet will probably be doing, um, but it's anybody's guess as to what exactly is going to be happening there. Uh, in other news, uh, we had some leaks associated with Peugeot. I shouldn't say leaks because they were talked about in the French automotive press. Uh, it sounds like Peugeot is looking for a partner to potentially merge with in order to save costs on development and construction of vehicles and other things. Uh, Peugeot, uh, Citroën, PSA as they're known, uh, they're on a roll right now when it comes to making money uh, in continental Europe. Uh, they turned the Opel brand around within a year after acquiring it from General Motors. Uh, they're on a tear with their other new cars, crossovers, many other things. Uh, Peugeot's building a lot of 
really fuel efficient, well-designed, well-executed cars that a lot of people have reviewed really quite well. And uh, I think they're pleased as punch with their results, but I think they kind of know at the same time to kind of continue on this uh, overall ability to develop things, stay profitable, uh, stay on the cutting edge of the automotive landscape. They need some extra help. And uh, apparently they are turning their attention towards Fiat Chrysler. Fiat Chrysler, of course, has been saying for quite some time that they themselves need a partner of some kind in order to remain profitable, cut costs, uh, and stay efficient in this growing, uh, growing, uh, com- growing competitive, competitively growing, I don't know how you want to say that, segment. Uh, Sergio Marchionne had said for years that they needed to merge with somebody in order to stay afloat. And uh, this might be a match made in heaven. Maybe? I don't know. It's hard to say kind of here because because we don't have Peugeot's, Citroën's uh, in the United States outside of some Opal products that are sold uh, at Buick, Buick dealerships. Uh, we don't really know what this kind of merger would look like here. Um, we can kind of assume that Fiat uh, Chrysler wouldn't have access to Peugeot's platforms and small cars uh, to be rebranded as Chrysler's and Dodge's here in the U.S. to help float up those EPA numbers a little bit and, you know, maybe potentially provide them with an electric vehicle platform to use uh, outside of the Sentivento uh, concept car that was announced uh, a few weeks ago in Geneva. That could be a good thing. The other big thing would be that there would be a dealer network, a parts network for Peugeot, Citroën, DS to come into the U.S. and say, hey, we're going to start selling French cars here again for the first time since, what, 1994, I think was the last time they were here. That in of itself, I think, is what excites me the most. I would love to see a Peugeot 508 sedan sitting in my driveway. It is a beautiful car. It sounds like it's pretty well executed overall. The new 208 looks absolutely fabulous. Um, I mean, the the French know how to build some interesting things. And I've, I think I've talked about it on this uh, show before, that the French are arguably the most American uh, car manufacturers in continental Europe. Uh, they build cars that, you know, look aggressive, they're relatively sporty, but really they're meant to be a little bit more soft and kind of cruisery uh, when it comes to their overall day-to-day operation. So we'll see. You know, I'd love to see DS here. I'd really love to see Citroen here because they make some absolutely crazy vehicles overall. So ah. I don't know. There, there's a lot to kind of go on in circles about that. But uh, I guess one little interesting point before we kind of jump into the next segment of the show. Uh, Renault, the the Ford to PSA's GM, if it were, uh, they used to own Chrysler uh, 30 plus years ago. So it's kind of weird to me to kind of think about Renault having owned Chrysler, Chrysler getting passed around to all these different brands uh, in that time frame in between, and now PSA is talking about buying them. Uh, It's really quite funny to me, but I think uh, the linchpin to this deal is going to be whether or not uh, the European uh, legislators, Congress, uh, watchdogs, I don't really know what the technical term is for the European commissions on this, uh, if they let that go through, if they want that kind of consolidation in their car market, Uh, But here in the U.S., I really don't see any reason why uh, they wouldn't let Peugeot uh, acquire uh, FCA. So we will see. (music) 
So as promised in the car culture segment, I wanted to talk about the coupification of crossovers and SUVs. But before we get to that, it's important to have a little bit of a history lesson as to how this has really become a thing in the past two decades. Wind the clocks back to the early aughts. I think it was 2003, 2004. Mercedes-Benz rolled out the CLS sedan. The CLS sedan was, of course, an adaption of the E-Class body, frame, all that stuff. Um, but it was given a much more dramatic, sexy, sporty style uh, to kind of cater to buyers who wanted a little more emotion in their vehicles that they would be driving day to day. Automotive journalists, automotive publications were really upset by the changes that this had promised, that this had brought. Uh, there were concerns that, one, it was clearly a sedan and you can't call it a coupe. Two, that Mercedes was continuing to dig further and further and further and further into these niches and that there was no way that they could justify the cost of developing these vehicles uh, to do something like this. And in the end, everybody was proven wrong. Nobody cared about the coupe nomenclature. Uh, and these this drill down into these niches is what has made Mercedes as profitable a company as it is today. The CLS sold like hotcakes. And as such, many other brands started jumping into the same end of the market. Uh, Volkswagen was one of the first and most notable uh, cars to launch after the CLS. They adapted the Passat and the Passat's platform to create the Passat CC, which has eventually evolved into the Arteon. If we are uh, in our current 19, or excuse me, 2019 model release, uh, we had the Audi A5 and A7 uh, sedans become a thing. We had uh, various. Other cars from manufacturers well beyond uh, our purview here in the U.S., but uh, nobody's really complained. I, I, I think the the big thing is, at least in terms of criticism of this change for sedans, is that you know you lose a lot of headroom in the rear seats. In many cases, you lose some trunk space uh, to keep that coupe-like profile. But, you know, for a lot of the people who buy these cars, who are probably driving them by themselves, uh, who want that lower insurance classification, it works out perfectly. And, you know, it, it doesn't seem like it's been a detriment to anybody's uh, ability to purchase a new car uh, in the past 20 years. So with the growing change to move sedan sales into crossovers and SUVs, because that's where the attention of the consumer is now at, it should come as no surprise that the coupification of crossovers and SUVs is becoming a hot topic again. Uh, many years ago, Acura was one of the first brands to kind of step into the space. Uh, they produced the ZDX crossover, which took the MDX and kind of cut the roof way down, cut the trunk space down, and really turned a otherwise practical luxury crossover into this coupe luxury personal vehicle thing and it did not sell particularly well. Uh, it died a pretty quick death and Acura hasn't stepped back into that segment. BMW on the other hand had the X6 debut in that time frame which was the coupe styled version of the X5. Uh, many people thought that would never sell because of how ugly it was and yet BMW has sold hundreds of thousands of them uh, in the time since they first debuted and of course they debuted the X4 and the X2 and they have all of these coupe like designations of all of these other vehicles inside their port brand portfolio. Uh, we have seen now, today, the big announcement, what stirred this thing, uh, that Porsche is going to be joining the coupe SUV uh, trend by 
creating a coupe profile for the Cayenne SUV. Uh, the Cayenne Coupe really, you know, doesn't change a whole lot. I would be my interpretation of what's going on. Uh, the the Cayenne already was a pretty good looking crossover, I would say. It's always been interesting to me to kind of consider the Cayenne where it started as this Touareg based monstrosity that had some really interesting sporting capabilities and then kind of shrunk in overall size and appearance. And in second generation and this third generation, I think it is arguably one of the best looking SUVs in production anywhere in the world. So adding a coupe-like profile to this crossover, I think really only enhances it. It makes it look a little more sporty, a little more aggressive. But then you get stories from Car and Driver that they run today that this is the end of Porsche as we know it. When in kind of putting the mirror up to that story, they ran the same kind of story 20 years ago when the Cayenne first came out. Uh, it's, it's, disappointing that we still have this mindset that this is going to kill Porsche, that this is going to kill Lamborghini by building an SUV, that this is going to kill Bentley by building an SUV, when it's become abundantly clear to anyone who's paying attention to the numbers for these companies that by building crossovers and SUVs with these badges on the front of them, by not compromising on the overall capability and performance of these vehicles, uh, that they are able to continue to fund, build, and construct vehicles that, you know, not only far supersede performance expectations and, you know, get more and more specialized in who they uh, cater to, uh, it also funds their racing programs and many other things like that, and it keeps the company afloat for a long, long time. And uh, I, I don't think we should be so upset about what's going on in this instance, to say the least. Uh, so what do we get with this Cayenne Coupe? Well, you know, you get that coupe-like body style. It gets the much more dramatic rake on the roof as it goes to the back of the vehicle. Uh, you lose some of that verticality in that rear cargo area. So in the end, you know, you end up with a little bit less headroom in the rear. You get much less space behind the rear seats to store your shit. Um, but it's going to add some sporty styling. It's going to apparently add some sporting credentials to the overall capability of the vehicle. But mechanically speaking, it's still going to have almost identical uh, performance uh, bits when it comes to horsepower, uh, transmissions, engines, all that other stuff. So not a lot of huge changes there. Is there going to be a price increase? It sounds like it's definitely going to be the case. There's going to be some trim upgrades that come with the Coupe uh, model line. Um, there's a whole jumbled mess of things, and that's really another takeaway to kind of take away this, is it only expands on the jumbled mess of German performance SUVs uh, coming out of Volkswagen uh, in perpetuity, I think, at this point. Uh, but, you know, to fund the Taycan project, uh, I think this is a necessary thing to do to keep 911s in motorsport. This is a necessary thing to do. If Porsche wants to jump into this uh, forthcoming GT1-style uh, racing element that's going to be replacing the LMP program uh, and the FIA World Endurance Championship, uh, I think this is a very necessary thing for them to do. So... I'm not mad about it. Uh, what I'm really looking forward to here more than anything is the in-house race between the Porsche Cayenne Coupe Turbo S, whatever the highest sporting trim of that is, uh, and compare that directly to the new Lamborghini Urus SUV, which already has a very coupe-like profile and actually looks pretty damn good. Uh, 
I don't know. It's getting wild. And I think what excites me now is just kind of thinking of what other SUVs and crossovers deserve some coupe-like treatments uh, to get a little more style out of them. Uh, I have a radical suggestion, and it might be a little out of place here, but I would really, really love to see a coupification of the Kia Telluride. Now, I know that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but bear with me for a moment. The Kia Telluride, I think, is without a doubt the best large mid-size crossover that you can buy on the road today. You know, for forty dollars to $45,000, uh, I don't think you're going to get more for the, your money when it comes to equipment, performance, uh, reliability, dependability, comfort, all that stuff. Uh, it's really going to be fantastic. And uh, taking that overly square vehicle and kind of giving a little bit of a drop off the top and uh, giving it a more coupe-like profile on the back end could really make some interesting uh, Land Rover uh, type comparisons, I think, in overall execution. Uh, kind of like what the, uh, what is that thing called? The Velar. Kind of giving us a Kia Velar competitor. I don't know. I, I It excites me. So there's some coupification things that I think could be interesting to investigate, but I don't necessarily know if they're going to happen. But do you have any opinions on the coupification of SUVs? Or do you have any favorites? Is there one that really bugs you? Uh, drop me a line here at Anchor FM at anchor.fm slash YSSMAN or hit me up on Twitter at YSSMAN. Thank you. So last up, a car that's on my mind, and that is the B17 Nissan Sentra, the current generation Neon Nissan Sentra uh, that I feel like really has been forgotten in a way that it's almost comical. Uh, I was sitting at a stoplight today on my way home from lunch, and I saw a Nissan Sentra not too far away from me, and I had to kind of squint my eyes and think about what it was for a second. And I couldn't exactly place it because, one, that version of the Sentra looked so much like the Altima that it was referred to as the baby Altima by Nissan themselves. Uh, they knew, or at least I shouldn't say knew, they thought they had a winning combination by making this car much larger, much more stylized in the Altima light, that they would sell a lot more of these vehicles. And in the early years, they may have been correct, but Honda and Toyota and many other car companies just ran away with the compact car segment uh, in a manner with which I don't think Nissan had the time, money, or patience to deal with. And that's what's always kind of struck me about the Nissan Sentra, is that previous versions of the car were absolutely fantastic. The B13 and B14 models were some of the best compact cars sold in the United States uh, in their eras. The B17, on the other hand, was such an incredible disappointment from the outset that it's shocking to me that they didn't just kill the car outright. Uh, I know in foreign markets, you know, they, they apparently do sell quite a few of these. Uh, but here in the U.S., I, I don't think this version of the car could really be considered a sales success. Uh, the B17 does have some things going for it, I would say. The Ultima-like styling that they uh, debuted in 2013 and refreshed in 2016 still looks somewhat acceptable. I would say it, it's it's relatively current. It, it, it is without age because it largely has not been updated. Uh, and with the new Altima out, carrying on some of those same styling cues, uh, it isn't exactly lost in a crowd, I would say, among other Nissans. 
the interior layout of the vehicle is, you know, not bad. There is style, uh, there is comfort, but it isn't exactly going to break uh, anyone's glasses in the style department because it is so safe and so focused on function. Where things really start falling apart is when you consider the powertrain, when you consider the technology technology that's available in the vehicle, and really how this car has been left behind in the Nissan lineup. Nissan did add a turbocharged inline four to the vehicle in 2017 uh, with the SR Turbo and the Nismo model. More or less, it was the powertrain from the old Nissan Juke uh, that was given to them to give a little more oomph to the car, to give it a little bit more sporting credentials, uh, but it's nothing more than just being a little more capable of getting out of its own way than actually taking on the Honda Civic Sport or the uh, you know, the forthcoming Toyota Corolla GR. Uh, this isn't going to be that in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I do have to say that I do like the SR Turbo quite a bit. Uh, the Nismo model does look good, but it's it's just not quite what it needs to be. And without having Android Auto, without having Apple CarPlay, without having a modern infotainment system placed in the car, there really isn't any reason to buy this over any other small car in the segment. I mean, really considering the compact car market on the whole, I don't think there's a single car available out there that I would recommend this Nissan over. And that's really kind of sad because, like I said, the Sentra used to be an absolutely fantastic car, and it uh, just isn't that way anymore, and it's it's really disappointing. Uh, one more thing on the Nissan Sentra that I think is kind of interesting to think about, uh, and maybe interesting to kind of predict, is how exactly they're going to update things. Um, Nissan is now, after the Altima got its updates, uh, they're going to start proliferating a lot of those technology, uh, safety, and design elements into other vehicles. And it looks like, at least based on spy shots that have been published recently, uh, that the Versa, strangely enough, is going to be the first one to get updated uh, with this new style and many other things. Uh, I've been a longtime fan of the Versa in a weird way. I know that the Versa is not exactly a quote-unquote good car, but that the Versa was always kind of a, a necessary vehicle in the U.S. It's largely been, or at least for a long time, it was known as the most affordable car on sale in the U.S. for basic transportation for not much more than 13 grand. You've got a roof over your head. You've got uh, a powertrain warranty. You've got really fuel-efficient uh, stuff. Brakes work, lights work, all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's not a horrible vehicle in the grand scheme of things. We've got to have these basic cars to kind of continue to work as a segment in the economy. Uh, but the uh, Versa is getting updates, and it sounds like it's going to be styled like the new Altima. It's going to have some of the safety features uh, made available. I would guess that some of what's available on the Kicks right now, which shares its platform the of with the Versa, will make its way down the market. Uh, it does sound like the Versa Note might be going away in the U.S. because of the Kicks existing, which is kind of a disappointment because I've always thought the Note was the better looking one. Uh, but, you know, we will see. But if the same kind of treatment ends up coming to the Sentra, you know, I would hope that it does get that Ultima style stuff again. But I really do hope that Nissan does something to make it stand out against the Ultima because right now making it a mini Ultima 
doesn't exactly make it a sales success anymore. It's got to have some kind of edge to be just that little bit better uh, compared to the Corolla, compared to the Civic, uh, even compared to the Kia Forte or the uh, Hyundai Elantra. You know, the, the sales of this car have been eaten alive by the Koreans because the Korean cars are so much better and Nissan's got to do better. And I think, you know, having that Apple CarPlay and Android Auto system from the uh, Ultima would be a good thing. Having the ProPilot Assist available on some higher trim levels would be a good thing. Um, they just got to do a lot more when it comes to powertrain development uh, with making this car lighter, a little bit more fun to drive. Uh, I know Nissan can do it because they did it with the Altima. I just hope it happens soon uh, because the Sentra brand is one that I don't really want to lose, and, and that would be really disappointing. But... Uh, there we are, uh, a reflection on a modern forgotten vehicle that you know had updates less than two years ago that were extremely meaningful and have just belly flopped into the automotive market in a way that I don't think anybody at Nissan would have anticipated. Well, guys, that just about wraps up this episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brett Eslake, and you can follow me on Twitter.com at Twitter.com slash YSSMAN. And you can follow along with this podcast at Anchor.fm slash YSSMAN. Uh, well, like I said earlier at the top of the show, we do this thing twice a week. We publish on Tuesday. We publish on Friday. Uh, so stick with us as we continue to move on into spring. Uh, April is right around the corner, which means the New York Auto Show is not too far away. Uh, we've got some other big European auto shows uh, in the late spring and early summer. So there are things to be considered as the automotive news, news continues to happen. Uh, I got an email the other day from Tesla asking if I would be interested in uh, taking a drive in the Model 3. Granted, it is a sales email, uh, but I think I need to take them up on it. I have a hankering that I'm really going to like this car in a way that's going to be problematic for my finances, uh, but I really, really want to drive one, so if I get any further details on that, I will be sure to let you guys know. Uh, in the meantime, guys, I hope you have a fantastic weekend. Uh, it's feeling very springy here in Michigan today after some shaky, snowy days earlier in the week. So get out there, clean your car off, uh, do some of that maintenance that you've been putting off uh, through most of the winter. Definitely needs to get done soon. But anyway, guys, have a great weekend, and we will see you on the next episode of the Salvage Title Podcast.